Well, we're going to recall that story this morning of Jesus risen from the grave. We're going to be doing that uh, this morning from John chapter 20. We'll be reading uh, the entire chapter. There are some, some things in Scripture you just can't segment out and you certainly can't part out part of the resurrection story. So we will be reading that today from John chapter 20. We read this. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple And they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been laid, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, For I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And all that he had said, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, He breathed on them 
and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, in his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into the, his side, I will, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand, put out your hand, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. May God grant us his spirit as we meditate on this story today. On this Resurrection Sunday, this is uh, the culmination of God's eternal plan, uh, this side of eternity. There's a day coming where the, the fullness of His eternal plan will take place. We're looking forward to that day, that the next coming of Jesus. But this day that we celebrate is the culmination of everything that has been set in place already. What, what we celebrate here, what, what the disciples and and Truly, the whole crowd, everybody around experienced that day, whether they recognized it or not, was the culmination of an eternal plan. And this day had to take place. There are many places along the story where uh, you might say, why did we need that? What was that there for? But all of it really points to the place where the fullness of God's plan would be made known. And today we... We celebrate uh, the culmination of that plan. What we celebrate today, we're going to look at in just a few different things from the story. And there are so many, brothers and sisters, there are so many ways that we could look at this day and celebrate and remember and to, to give voice to about why this day has such significance for believers in Jesus Christ. We would spend, truly, uh, the rest of our lives, continuing to give evidence to why this day is so important to us. But I'm sure you have family plans, uh, so we're going to just focus on just a few things this morning. Uh, one thing that we're going to recognize that makes this day so significant is that truth prevails today. Truth prevails. Jesus had been telling his disciples leading up to this day. He had mentioned to them three times 
Specifically, that not only would he be handed over to be tried and killed, but on the third day, he would be raised again. And yet when we, when we see the, the, the disciples as they're leading up to the cross, they still didn't understand that. So when we get to our story here today, the disciples go in and when they finally look into the empty tomb, then they saw and then they believed because until then, they still were not able to believe. And so when they went to the empty tomb, all that Jesus had said was real to them. Everything that God says to His people always comes true. And it's not just in the life of Jesus. And that's where, that's where when you look at the, the whole of Scripture, uh, and I'm so glad we're able to do that once again this year as we contemplate all of Scripture together and how maybe what we've read this past week in the book of First Samuel leads up to this day. It, it all fits together, but everything that God has said comes true. And He keeps reminding his people of that, so that when something else happens and comes true, we have that assurance that the next time we read about what He has promised, we can take it to heart. When, when Joshua was succeeding Moses in leading the people from Egypt into the promised land, and, and Joshua given that privilege of ushering them into the promised land, God had made this promise to him. And Joshua recalls the words, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. And you know in your hearts and souls, as he's speaking to the people of Israel, all of you, that not one of God's promises has ever failed. Not one. Everything that the Lord promised concerning you has come true. All have come to pass not one of them has failed. We as uh, the readers of Scripture uh, on this side of the cross ought to recognize that just because Jesus said it a few weeks before His death was not the only instance where truth would prove itself to be true. God has been showing that to His people for generations, thousands of years already. And so when the disciples came to an empty tomb, maybe at some point they would remember the words of Psalm 16 where David gives testimony, For you will not abandon my soul to the grave or let your Holy One see corruption. David's prophetic words speaking of Jesus and as they came to an empty tomb, truth prevailed and the buried Savior was no longer there. So many things of what Jesus had said. In the, in the Gospel of John, He continues to give them truth all along. And He does it in this very uh, compacted way at one point. We know them as the, the I Am's of the book of John. So look at all the things that Jesus said to His disciples that now have come true because He's alive. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, that's what we did. 
on Good Friday, we, we joined together and we took the bread and we recognized our identity in Christ. And as Paul would later say, I have been crucified with Christ. Whoever eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. And truth prevails in that one. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the disciples would recognize that more and more from that day forward, from the, from the empty grave, that darkness no longer prevails and you and I and they could walk in the light of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Only Jesus was the way, the door to get into saving life. And so he said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And maybe when they thought on that Good Friday evening when Jesus had been crucified, that all hope was lost, the empty grave shows that He truly did give His life for His sheep. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Me. And risen victorious from the grave, He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. All of these things, the disciples will begin to recognize that what Jesus said before is absolutely true. He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. As the disciples then, as disciples now, as we remain in Christ, we will bear fruit. And if you have remained in him a long time, you know some of that fruit that you bear for the, for the sake of the name. Truth prevails because of the resurrection. And Jesus said to Martha at the death of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And when Jesus walked out of the grave, he became the resurrection and the life. It's something that we need to uh, continue to proclaim in our world today. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Whatever you might think comes after this life doesn't hold a candle to the light of Jesus Christ who came up out of the grave on that first resurrection morning and claimed the victory for resurrection. And so when a loved one passes, you, like Martha and Mary, can know that your loved one is going to be raised again. That's the confidence and hope that we have that when one passes in Jesus' name, truly that's where life begins. Truth prevails. 
Also, when you look at this story, one of the things that you see is um, maybe not as clearly, but he will never leave you. When, when Mary's there at the tomb, he says to her, Why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? If you've taken him, my Lord is missing. What happened? Where did he go? Not recognizing even at that point that she was talking to her Lord. And Jesus said, don't cling to me. It wasn't that he wasn't supposed to be touched. In fact, he he told Peter, or he told Thomas, touch me. Put your hands here and see that it's, it's me. Don't cling to me. I haven't ascended to the Father yet. I'm not going anywhere yet. Jesus isn't leaving her. After, after the events of Good Friday and the, the gruesome death of her Lord, and now to recognize that He stands there before her, wouldn't you want to just cling on to Him with all that you had so you wouldn't lose Him again? But Jesus says, don't cling on to me. You don't need to. I'm, I'm not going to leave you. He's still going to actually be with them for a number of days yet. His time with them isn't finished yet. There's no reason to cling on to Jesus for her thinking that if He leaves now, He's gone for good. Far from the truth. When He was with the disciples, they were trying to process this all in their own minds and well as well and wondering what the future with Jesus looked like, but He breathed on them and gave them the Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit. So that even when He would ascend, they would still have the Spirit of Jesus within them. And already at this point, He's already given them the Spirit so that He is always with them. Earlier in John's account, He promised the disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see Me no more, but you will see Me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. The fullness of the relationship of of God the Father and God the Son dwells now within the people that identify with Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's going to be with them. He's, He's always promised to be with His people. Going back to the days of Joshua. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Jesus coming up out of the, out of the grave does not mean that He's there for good. Neither does it mean that He's leaving for good. There's this wonderful mix of uh, Jesus' ascension later and yet always remaining with 
his people. He's never going to leave us. And that's one of the things that we can pull out of a Resurrection Sunday. It's not that He's going to be alive forever with us on the earth, but He will always be with us. He told His disciples, if if I go, I'm going to come back. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, but I'm going to take you to be where I am. And in the meantime, He would leave His Spirit with them as He did in their presence that day. Truth prevails. He will not leave you. And there's no more doubting, no more fear. When he was with Thomas, Thomas, not there at that first encounter with the rest of the disciples, so when Thomas gets to meet Jesus at that time, he says, Unless I see his hands and his side, I won't believe. So Jesus gives him the opportunity to overcome his doubt. We call him Doubting Thomas. And yet, God uses somebody that has doubts. Thomas still counted as one of the twelve. He wasn't the betrayer. He wasn't the one that left Jesus and abandoned him completely. But Thomas was one that still had doubts. I don't know how you can believe this without having seen him. We have a lot of people in the world today that, how do you believe a character from a book? Why, why isn't it this book that we would believe in? Or that book? Or this person? Or that person? No more need to doubt because Jesus proved it to His disciples. Now you and I... We would hear people say, yeah, but that comes from the same book that you're quoting from. You're giving this circular uh, reasoning that only is contained in one book. But brothers and sisters, you can go throughout history and you can find people who do not agree with this book, but agree with the accounts of the day. The historians give truthful evidence to the fact that Jesus rose and walked among the people. In fact, he... He showed himself to over 500 people at once and gave evidence to the fact that he truly has risen. So there's no reason to doubt what Jesus had said anymore. No reason to fear. While they were there in the room with the doors locked, why? Out of fear. Before, before Jesus was presented to them, they lived in fear. Look what they did to our Lord. What are they going to do to us? But Jesus, risen victorious from the grave, takes away all that fear. Peace be with you, He said. Peace, you don't, you don't need to be in this place of fear. You can be at a place of peace, even though, even though they're going to want to kill you too. Don't fear that either. Hebrews, once again, gives us these 
uh, encouraging words about never having to fear the, the circumstances of our life. It says there, I, I will never leave you or forsake you, the writer says, quoting. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? When you consider what happened to Jesus on the cross and He came up victorious from that, what possibly could man do to you and me? Jesus has already claimed the victory in that. There's no more reason to fear. It doesn't mean that life will be easy from this point on. Jesus also gave truth and said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And so whatever brings you to a place of fear in this life, it's, it's the things of this life. And this life is not the lasting life. It's the life in Christ that lasts forever. And so when we go through all kinds of various trials in the last week, in the last few months, in the last year, these things are things that are just they're just here and now. They're awful at times. They truly are. And there are many things ahead of us yet they are going to be really awful. When you, when you get further along in the book and you, you read what the end of days will be like, no one would long for those days. In fact, people would say, just fall on us, rocks, crush us now. I, I can't imagine going through this. But there's still no reason to fear. Because even if in the greatest trial of your life you don't survive that moment, you still survive in God's kingdom. Life has not been snuffed out for you and me. The trial did not bring your existence to an end. It ushers you into the eternal plan of our living God. No reason to fear. No more doubting. No more fear. He will never leave us. And truth always will prevail. I want you to finish the sentence. Because he lives, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, what, what for you? What, what in your life can you say? Because he lives, fear is gone. Because he lives, I'll see my father again in eternity. I'll see my mother again. I'll see my child again in eternity. Because He lives, life continues. Because He lives, I can live boldly and freely in His name. No one can stop me. Because He lives, the next trial that I encounter, I will claim victory over that one as well because He lives. I want you to give thought to that today. And at some point, say it out loud. There is something so powerful, brothers and sisters, about 
proclaiming your faith. We gathered Friday at the table and we proclaimed that the Lord's death was sufficient, far more sufficient to cover all of my sins than anything I would have ever done. And today we are here to give testimony that Jesus lives and because He lives, give that some some thought today and finish that sentence And if you live at home alone, say it out loud and the devil will shriek in your home. And if you live with a spouse, with a family, say it to one another. Because he lives, and make that declaration again today. We serve a risen Savior, brothers and sisters. And that message needs to come from every one of us. And this day gives us the the license to do that. If ever you were worried about sounding holier than thou or, or feeling awkward about saying something, put that aside too. And today, say from your own lips and give evidence to the, the faith that you profess. Because he lives... To join me in prayer. We could go on and on and on, Jesus, with filling in that sentence. Because you live, and truly, uh, we should be able to do that every day of our lives. This, this day renews again uh, within our spirits the faith that we have and that it is absolutely real because had you not risen from the grave, Jesus, we would still be dead in our sins and our faith would be futile. But hallelujah! You have been raised. And so give us courage to speak up. Give us courage to speak to one another about why this day makes all the difference in our faith. And just as you were lifted up on that cross, Jesus, may you be lifted up today in our praises, in our declarations, in the pronouncement of our faith that because you live, my future is absolutely secure and nobody can take that away from me. And certainly not death. You have claimed that victory. Victory over sin. Victory over the grave. Victory over everything else in this life. And one day, oh, we long for that day one day we will be able to see our risen Savior face to face. And maybe then we'll have a really great answer to you because you live, Jesus. We're grateful beyond words that you live again today within us. Help us to be your instruments of the good news. We pray in your most holy name, and all God's people said, Amen.